Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Father, I pray right now. I pray first and foremost that you get me out of the way. Your word is anointed. My words are not. I pray that you will anoint me so I can deliver your anointed word. Help me to say no more, no less than what you would have me to say. Let me be your oracle and your mouthpiece this morning. God, I pray that your word will penetrate hearts. That your word will go forth and do exactly what it's supposed to do in each and every one of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you guys. I haven't seen you since last year. I... uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be real for a moment, and I, I need to get some preliminaries out of the way in my spirit. God has a word for us this morning, and sometimes it's not the word that we think it's going to be, and yesterday when I was praying, the Lord just put a stirring in my heart, and we're, we're going to launch into a new series, and uh, it's called, What Do You Have to Lose?, and the Lord gave me an opportunity to walk that out. What do I have to lose? And this morning and right now is going to be that. And I, and I just felt like the Lord said, you need to read this scripture. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read. This is not, this, this might be all that we talk about. This might not. I'm really trying to listen to the Holy Spirit right now. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 23 through 26, I, I got to say, I gave the AV team an audible. Uh, I, I, I threw this on them this morning, and they are going, they, they did a great job, and they pulled it out. And um, this is not the message I have prepared, but I do believe that we need to hear it. And we need to walk through it. We need to process it, and we need to be challenged and changed by it. So let's just jump in. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish Ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God's will will change people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I'm just going to stop right there for a moment. I want us to see a, a father figure to this man named Timothy speaking into a young minister of the gospel, trying to tell him how to instruct the church. And, I, and, and this is an instruction not just for that time, but for this time. Because right now, there is literally a tangible tension in the air of our nation. There is tension. And we have an opportunity as a church of the living God to raise up and rise up like never before and to deliver hope. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited. I'm not trying. Like, guys, I want, I want us to hear. I, w- I want you to hear my heart because I'm not trying to condemn any person at all. But if we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a sacred duty to rise right now by the power of the living God living in us. And it doesn't start by starting fights or quarreling or anything like that. Believe me, I'm right there with you. I have I have typed texts that I shouldn't have sent this week. I've said things that I've, I, and I'm not, I'm not casting fingers. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm challenging the church right now at the beginning of a year in, in a controversial time to raise up and to forget about that. I almost said crap. I did. Whoops. Um, 
to forget about that junk and, and to deliver the gospel. And I, I just, I want us to get this. Paul, Paul's, he's, he, he ends the chapter 2 with this, and we're going to jump right in to chapter 3, and we're going to read it in its entirety. And we need to let the Word of God penetrate our hearts and get rid of our Americanness. We're, we, 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 are, we are sojourners here. Our citizenship is in heaven. Christ first. And, and he says in, in, in chapter 2, in chapter or in chapter 3, verse 1, let's just start with it. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And I want you to get this. From the moment Jesus Christ raised from the dead, from the moment he raised from the dead, that was the last days. That was 2,000 years ago. And if that was the last days 2,000 years ago, let's just say that was 12 a.m. 2,000 years ago on the last day. We, we are, I, I, I truly believe we're like at 11 p.m. right now of the last days. Because we, that was the last days 2,000 years ago. We are still in the last days. And the truth is Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to split the skies wide open. And he's going to rapture his church. And that is the truth. And we got to be about the gospel until he comes back. We can't be lazy anymore. We, can't, we cannot not operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't be anemic anymore. We can't. The time is done for that. We can't be comfortable in our faith. We can't just come to church and get fired up and do nothing throughout the week with the gospel. We got to start starting conversations to tell people. We we have to. That's our purpose. I'm not trying to Make anyone feel guilty. That's not, I'm, if anything, I'm just trying to extol the church to raise up and rise up to what God called us to. He says in the last times, that we will have difficult times in the last days for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Just FYI, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But the reality, go, go, go back to verse 2, please. He puts disobedient to your parents in there. Isn't that kind of an interesting thing that he adds in the midst of all this stuff? And ungrateful. Un- he's saying that people, like he's listing all this stuff about people. And he says ungrateful. We as a church, what are we grateful for? Are we, are, we, are we more ungrateful than are we grateful? Are we grateful? Like, Because I'm grateful that Jesus saved me. I'm grateful that he wrecked my world and he turned me upside down and he put me on a new course. And that's enough to be grateful. If he never does anything else for me, that is enough. Are we grateful? Are we showing the world that we're grateful? They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Stop right there for a moment. I just... We, I, we, we got to look at this. We got to look at this as the church of the living God. He's not talking about people who are outside a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is talking about so-called leaders in the church, so-called followers of Jesus. And he's telling the Christians to stay away from the Christians. I, I put quote, quotation marks about that. And, and, and he we, we, we read this and we, we think instant sinner. And so we shouldn't go into the world and proclaim the gospel. And, and that's, what, that's what the church has done here in this nation for too long. And now we have compromise after compromise after compromise in the church. And we got away from the purpose of the church. But he's not saying don't go and bring the gospel to people who are lost. He's saying, stay away from people who say they're Christians and don't believe anything that Christ said. They have a form of godliness, but deny its power that can make them godly. 
They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers, so now he's, he's calling them out, these teachers oppose truth just as Jonas and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they don't get away with it for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Jonas and Jambres. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. And I, I, want, I want to set the stage for what's about to happen, because he's, he's about to do a, a beautiful compare and contrast between what counterfeit faith looks like and what genuine following Jesus looks like. And I'm, I, I'm, God wants to bless his children. He does, and he's blessed. I, I guarantee you every one of us has stories of God's blessing. And, but what, what we're about to read is going to be really challenging, but it is our purpose and what we're called to do. And we got to be okay with that. If God is in you, I think he's about to check some hearts, and he's going to say, okay, we got to be okay with, the, with this. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. Paul knew. He knew. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from it all. I, I think that we got to remember this. we got to remember this. i got to be honest. Persecution is going to come to the church. I don't know when. It could be in the next four years. It could be in the next 20 years. I don't know. But we got to be okay with that. It's going to happen. But... But the Lord rescued me from it all. And if you look at what he said, you know my faith, you know my love, you know. Like Paul just knew his purpose and he said, whether I'm persecuted or not, I'm going to go after Jesus and do what I'm called to do because I'm the church of the living God. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hmm. But we're in America. We have the First Amendment. That will never happen. There is an early church father. He says that the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. And I don't want to be persecuted for preaching the gospel. I don't want, I don't want that. I don't think anyone does. I don't, want, I don't want to have to choose. And I pray that my faith will last. I really do. I pray that way. But it will happen. And wherever the church is persecuted, God pours out his spirit. He gives us strength to do what we're called to do. And time and time again, when the church stops being persecuted, it almost, the growth of the church almost just levels off. Like when it's persecuted, it's doing this. And then it stops being persecuted, it just levels off. I can tell you this, God wants to grow his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God wants to pour out his spirit. In, the, in, in Acts chapter 2, I believe that was the, the, the start of the latter reign. He poured out his spirit on, on all flesh. And we got to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And God's going to do that again. He started it in the late 1800s, and it's going to run through. We have got to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit as a church. We have got to. We've got to be bold witnesses, like not just for the world, but for our, for our community, for our family. Like we, 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 we can't sit back. We can't be reactionary. What, what, if, what if we just, we took the first step. We, we push forward. What if? Instead of reacting, what if we, we just said, you know what? what, whatever happens, happens. But my mission is clear. That's why I'm not shaken up by who's in office. My mission doesn't change. It's to go forth and preach the gospel, making disciples, teaching them to obey all that Christ commands. That's my mission in life. 
Whoever is in office can't change my mission that God gave us, and he can't change the mission of the church. And so we have a king and a sovereign God that knows what he's doing, that hasn't made mistakes. And, and, and I, I just... Maybe I just need to get this off my chest. But, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in in Christ will suffer persecution. Well, that's really encouraging. It is encouraging. Because God will be with us. But But every evil people and imposter will flourish. They will deceive others. And they themselves will be deceived. I mean, think about that. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at this world and say, wow, that's actually happening right now. But you must remain faithful. Here's a must that we must do. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can't trust, you can trust those who taught you. I I want us to get this. Paul is challenging Timothy. When you see this stuff happen, when you, when it it appears, like the enemy is trying to get the church to to look at things through a perspective. It's done and over with. It's impossible. Like you can't change anything. And and he's wanting us to forget one crucial thing. And I I shotted this down yesterday. I was, I was in prayer. I, I, I think the church needs to repent of unbelief. Not, not unbelief for, not unbelief that, 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 that our salvation, like we believe that Jesus is enough for salvation, but unbelief that we serve a God who does impossible things. We, somewhere along the lines, I feel like the church has quit believing that God can do impossible things because we see too much, we watch the news too much, we listen too much, and, and we forgot what it means to just to lay hold of God. You know, like, let, let me encourage you with this. Impossibility, impossible is a playground that God plays in. That's what he does. He doesn't even show up until things aren't impossible. He shows up when things are impossible. He shows up in the 11th hour. He shows up four days after Lazarus is dead. He shows up when the army of, of Egypt is behind the children of Israel. And there is a sea in front of them. And then he splits it. Well, let me tell you guys, God is a God that does impossible things. And now is the time to let your faith run wild. we got to start believing again that God does impossible God does impossible. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. Man, just just remember. Go back and read. Meditate. Listen to the word of God. Turn off the news. Turn off the junk. The enemy wants to get the church off. He wants us to focus on the things of the world. I don't care what they are. He wants us not to remember that we serve a big God that can do big things bigger than we can ever imagine and and if, if you're here today and you've been that, that you've just been resigning to well it's said and done I, I don't care what it is in your life it could be a diagnosis it could be finances it could be whatever and you've just been resigning to that I dare you to repent of unbelief and to let your faith run wild in this moment Say, God, you can do it. Whether he does or not, that's up to him. But we got to let our faith run wild in this moment. We got to believe that he wants to grow his church. We got to start believing he wants to pour out his spirit. It can't just be things we sing, it can't just be things we say. It has to be something in our heart that has to get from here to here. Guys, I love you. I, 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 I just feel like this needs to be said. It might not be for anyone in this room. It might, be for some, it might just be for me. It might be for someone watching online. I don't know. But I know this. We've got to re- remain faithful to what we've been taught. We've got to let our faith run wild. You know they are true. And for you know you can trust those who taught you. You, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do 
what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. He's telling Timothy, in the midst of everything, in the midst of the world losing its mind, in the midst of false doctrine and, and, and false teachers getting up, get to the word. Get in the word. Turn off distraction. Get in the word because it will train you up in wisdom. It will prepare you for, to do the good work that you were called to do. And every single person in this room has a good work that God has prepared in advance for them to do. I can give you the generalized rule. Uh, is share the gospel, make disciples, but that looks different for you than it does for me. It, 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 but God, God, in all his creativity, has given us each different gifts, and he wants us to use them for his kingdom. But at the end of the day, we got to use them to make disciples and preach the gospel. Well, you might say, Pastor Ryan, my gift is really a gift of helps. Sweet. Help people and share the gospel and make disciples. That's hospitality. Sweet. Be hospitable and share the gospel. Use it for the kingdom. We got to start asking ourselves, what do we have to lose? This, yesterday I was like, God, that's really not anything in my message. And God's like, what do you have to lose in sharing it? I have, I have nothing to lose. Maybe, maybe just maybe someone um, will grab hold of it. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is where he gets down to the nitty-gritty. He gets down to the nitty-gritty. In all of what we just read, this is, he tells Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. And he is coming to set up his kingdom Preach the word of God. You want to know, you want to know what our purpose is. And all that, he's telling Timothy, preach the word. Don't, don't get labored down with all this other junk. Just give people the word of God. Give them the, the, the purity of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit work. I would challenge us. I don't know what your day-to-day -day like. I'm not telling you stand up on a stage, but preach the word of God. Let your life preach it. Let everything you do declare the gospel. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people to, with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound and wholesome teachings, they will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. We got to grab a hold of that. We we think it's going to be easy. It's work. It's work. It's work to tell people. It's work to listen to the spirit. It's work to step out in faith. It's work to say, God, is this you or is this not you? I, 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 was, I was praying this morning, God, should I do this or should I not do this? And he's like, what do you have to lose? I don't have anything to lose. It's work. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. I feel that this is a challenge today and every year moving forward. We can't do things the way we've always done them because we'll get the same results we've always got. Let's work and do, and do and be the church and see what God can do through that because if there's ever a time in human history, especially in this nation, in this nation's history, the church 
has got to be the church and to present the gospel in all of its glory, not trying to water it down, but to speak truth and grace. Jesus was full of truth and grace. We can't be so full of truth that we make people feel condemned, and we can't be so full of grace that we sweep everything under the rug. we got to be full of both and let the Holy Spirit do the conviction. It's not your job or my job to convict anyone. It's, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit's, and, and I hope you hear my voice. We have a job. We have a purpose. And if this was true 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing, this is the last letter he wrote. He's, and he's about to say in the next verse, and I didn't put it, but he said, my life is spent. I'm about to die. If it was true 2,000 years ago, it's so much more true today. We have a purpose, and we can't be distracted by anything that will take us off of that purpose. we got to let our faith run wild. we got to believe that our nation is not too far gone. It's not too far lost. It's, it's not. Because if Jesus, didn't, Jesus didn't just come and die lightly. He died for every single person that walks the earth. And his cross and his blood will cover their sins just like it covers our sin. And it's real easy to think someone else's sin's worse than your own. The same nails that held him there to that cross for your sin are the same ones that held him to the cross for theirs. And we got to preach the word and give people Jesus. I'm going to share a little bit of my message. That was just the introduction. <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to, if you want to go back and read it, it's 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel chapter 30, and uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1. Go back and read it. It's a beautiful narrative. I'm going to give you three snapshots. I'm going to go really fast, but it's the overflow of disobedience. I just told you that we have a purpose, and our purpose is to preach the word of God, to give this world Jesus, to, to quit making excuses for why we can't and start making excuses for why we can. Why we can. We have the spirit of the living God living in us, and this world needs Jesus, and God wants to grow his church. And He like, and there's blessing in this. Yeah, we, we might be persecuted. The Bible says we will be. But there's blessing in obedience, guys. The sooner we grab a hold of that, the more, the more we can walk in it. And, and the overflow of disobedience, I'm going to hit this real quick because the overflow of Saul's disobedience is the same overflow of our disobedience. And when we, when we deliberately disobey God, knowing that we have a job to do as a church of the living God, there are consequences of it. There are consequences. The overflow of disobedience. So what we see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15 Saul is giving an order, and we read it last week, but Saul is giving an order to completely go in and wipe out the Amalekites. He, he, he's told, do not leave anything alive. Every person, all the livestock, I mean, like, torch the fields. Like, I don't want, I don't want, like, just wipe their existence off the face of the earth. That's what basically God tells him to do. And Paul, or not Paul, Saul walks in, and he keeps the king alive. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it, just a scripture real quick. It says, Saul and his men in verse nine of chapter fifteen. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them, they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. That's not what God told them to do. God gave him clear instructions to wipe everything out. God's given us clear instructions to preach the gospel, to make disciples, teaching them everything. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. or I, 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 I truly hope you hear my heart on this. And you don't need, if, if you're feeling condemned, that's not from God. But Paul, he picked and chose what he wanted to obey. Or Saul, King Saul picked 
and chose what he wanted to obey. Well, God, I want to, to pick out the good. Like, but God said destroy everything. And so the first thing I want us to understand about the overflow of disobedience is partial obedience isn't obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. There's too much riding on the church being obedient to the living God for us to be partially obedient. People are dying every minute. A couple years ago, I did the math, and um, it was like 119 people die a minute. And people are dying and going to a very real hell. And the hope that can save them is in the church, is in Jesus Christ. Partial obedience. Saul was partially obedient. He did destroy a lot. But he was so blind that he thought he was fully obedient. And I need a, the overflow of disobedience will make you think partial obedience is obedience. But partial obedience is disobedience. And then because he didn't destroy all the Amalekites, he, he kind of he, he pulled a Hitler and he had lightning warfare. He ran in, destroyed them all and came out. He should have waited for more Amalekites to come home. He should have set up camp to, to destroy them because what we learn in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David is coming back to his home in Ziglag and he, he crests a hill and he sees a town burning. And guess what? It's his town. And, they, and him and his 600 men get to that town and, and, and they discover that their houses are burned down, their, their livestock is gone, and worse yet, their families are taken. And who did it? The Amalekites. Because Saul did not obey God and destroy all the Amalekites, his disobedience affected David and all 600 other men. It says that David, he cried and his men cried until they could cry no more. Have you been there? Have you cried till you could cry no more? It's a hard place to be. It's a rough place to be, but I can tell you when you're in that situation, his men, his trusted friends, the ones that would risk their life and limb for David wanted to kill David. Everyone abandoned him, but it says that in that moment, when, when, when David was at that point, it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of us need to turn off the news. Some of us need to turn off social media. Some of us need to sit down and encourage ourselves in the Lord in this moment so our faith can rise, so our faith can run wild again. He says he encouraged himself from the Lord, and then he called for the ephod. He called for the ephod. Now, the ephod is a garment that the priest wore, and, and it's what they would use when they would go before God and ask God for instruction. David wasn't a priest, but he called for it. He says, I don't need someone else to give me a word. I need to get a word from God myself, and we need to get back to where we are getting words from God out of the word of God. We have got to be people of the word and people of the spirit. We have got to be this. David encouraged himself of the Lord, and then he got a word from God. He got a word from God for that moment because he got alone with God. Disobedience affects other people. Not only did it affect David and his men, because of that, Saul and his, all, all his sons died because of his disobedience. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe out your line because you disobeyed me. Jonathan, we know Jonathan to be a godly man, was killed because of Saul's disobedience. Dis there's overflows of disobedience. And when we disobey, it affects others. There are people that you can reach with the gospel. There, there, there are people that only you can reach with the gospel. There might be overlap and stuff, but there are, there are people that God is situating you in their life for this season and this reason. And, and we need to be people that hear from God, that seek God and say, God, now when, when should I move? What should I do? And there's always going to be a tension. 
There's always going to be a tension when, when we step out in faith. There will be, but that's okay. But I would, rather, I would rather obey and look like a fool than miss a moment. Then, then look glorious in front of men. Saul wanted to look glorious in front of men. He went back and built a statue to himself. He, he sacrificed all these things before the Lord, which God didn't want his sacrifice. He wanted his obedience. And then he, he paraded the king that he conquered. In front. He looked good. But God's like, I don't want you to look good. Your obedience makes me look good. We're here to celebrate Jesus, to glorify God. But disobedience affects other people. And, and um, the third thing is God will get his obedience. God will get it. I would, I would recommend that we be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. But God got his obedience. David went and got alone before God. He cried out to God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He cried out for God, to God, and he said, God, should I go after these men? And God said, go, and I will be with you. And David went and wiped out the Amalekites. And it says he fought all night and all the next day, and God restored everything he had lost, his wives, his children, even he even got blessed with more. He got blessed to the point, like, get this. There's, a, there's blessing in obedience. Pastor Ben hit on it um, December 27th. But when we step out in obedience, there's blessing. He got blessed to the point that David got to start sending gifts to all the towns that helped him in the past because he got so blessed. God gave him so much more than what was taken because he obeyed. God will get his obedience. I would recommend that we, C1 Church, be a part of it. Let's be a part. Let's obey. Like, David didn't get to go back to life as normal. That His home was still burned down. There was some tent living in his future. His, that town was still burned down. But when he obeyed, God positioned and situated him for, for him to get back to where he needed to be to be king. And when we walk in obedience, God situates us to walk in more obedience. God will get his obedience. And the last thought I, I want to leave us with, and I want to pray. Kill what is making you disobey, or it will kill you. 2 Samuel chapter 1, David is living in tents. He doesn't know what to do. His home and his town is burned. And this guy walks up and he says, hey, I have, I have like the armband of King Saul and the crown. And he brought it to David and said, dude, King Saul and all his sons are dead. And David's like, how did you hear about this? And this guy was like, hey, uh, I was there on that mountain. And King Saul called out to me. And he said that, uh, and Saul tried to take his own life. He tried to fall on his own sword, but he was dying slowly. And and this guy, he walks up to King Saul, and he says, how can I help you? And King Saul goes, I want you to help me die, because <laughs> he was in pain. And King Saul asked him something. He goes, what are, he's like, who are you? He goes, I'm an Amalekite. Wait, isn't the, Amal like the Amalekites, right? They're the ones that God told Saul to go wipe off the face of the earth. And because Saul disobeyed, and he didn't go back and repent, he didn't try to make it right, he didn't try to say, okay, God, you're right, let me go back to tear down my, my statue, and, and, and maybe God would have forgave him, he would have went back and did the job and obeyed, I don't know, but he didn't, and this is what happens, an Amalekite ends up killing Saul, and David, hearing this, says, kill the Amalekite. And this is so important. I don't know your story. I, don't, I know what makes me disobey. Insecurity. Not feeling worthy. Oh, man. Not, not knowing enough. I, 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 could, I could just give you a list upon list upon list of the things I wrestle with when, I, when the Lord asked me to step out in obedience. I'll tell you a story. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I was walking downtown. And I, I was praying, 
and I saw this young, probably late teens, early 20s, girl walking up, and the Lord said, you need to ask her if she's doing okay, if, if everything's all right. And I'm like, God, I don't talk to girls. I don't talk to girls when I'm down here. You know that, God. You're like, I put rules in place. God's like, I don't give a rip about your rules. I'm telling you to do something. And so I'm like, whatever. Probably the right attitude to have with God. I'm just being real. And I walk up, and here she comes. And we're down by Southern Exposure, um, that store. And I walk past her, and she walks past me, and I didn't say a thing. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, what, what was that about? I'm like, God, I... You know, like, I'm having this tension because, like, Lord, you know this rule I set in place. And, you know, I wrestle. Like, there's a reason why I put that in place because I want to protect myself. And God's like, and I'm walking, I'm walking. I'm, I'm, I get to the corner by Puckett's. And the Lord just, I felt like the Lord says, stop. And I'm, I'm like, I'm stopping. I'm like, oh, he's like, now you want to listen. No. Um, I stop and I look around and I see all these people walking the square and all this stuff. And I just felt like the Lord said, every single one of these people I love and I care for. And when I tell you to talk to someone, talk to them. Okay, God, I said, I'm sorry I missed my opportunity. I'm sorry, Lord. And he said, and I felt like he said, Who said you missed your opportunity? I look up and she's down by the corner by the barber shop and she's walking my way. I'm like, dude, she just walked like a quarter mile back up this direction. I said, Okay, Lord, if she crosses the street and walks in front of me, I'll say something to her. Because like she could have turned and went down by Ted's. And she walked right in front of me. I said nothing. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I turn around and I ask myself, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And I'm like, so I start walking down the sidewalk behind her like a creep. Um, and there's four women walking, like almost in tandem. They're like kind of staggered, but they're in a line. And I said, ma'am, and you got to understand, we're in, we're in the South. Everyone's ma'am. Like your grandpa's a ma'am. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm just joking. Uh, but I said, ma'am, to get her attention. I'm thinking, oh, great. I didn't think this through. Like, all of them are going to turn around, and she's the only one that turned around. I said, okay, God. And I just walked up to her and said, ma'am, I, I don't know you from Adam. I'm a pastor at a local church. And I, and I said, I just really feel like the Lord's wanting me to ask you if you're doing okay. And, I, and as soon as I said that, I felt like the Lord said, you're going through some family issues, and you're going through some hard times. I just started speaking that. She goes, oh, my gosh, you're so right. That's exactly what's happening right now. And we got to talk. I got to pray with her. I got to share the gospel with her. God cared for her, and he wanted her to know that he knew right where she was, right what she's going through. Did she accept Jesus? No, I, I didn't lead her to the Lord. I told her how to accept Jesus, that's for sure. But I, I, had, I had to kill what was making me disobey. The Lord told me, but I had this God, you know, like self-righteousness. God, I, I don't talk to women. I don't want to put myself in a compromising position. And I, I feel like that's a good rule to have. Um, but if God tells you to do something, do it. Because it will kill you. I don't know the overflow of that situation, but I feel like it could have numbed me to the voice of God. Not to say that he'll ever stop speaking, but... There comes a point where when we ignore something for so long, we get used to it. I, I, I could tell you that I used to not be able to sleep with noise. But now, being married to the most amazing woman on earth, she can't sleep without having noise. So she always has a fan. Like, I want to sleep with worship music playing in the background, but that would keep her awake. But ironically, she could have a very loud fan across the room, and she could sleep through it. And that used to, like, I used to not, I just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, well, one of us is going to lose this conversation. And it was me. I'm just like, I lost it. 
And now I can sleep with the fan going on in the background. In fact, I'll get up and turn the fan on because I've gotten so used to hearing it. And I want us to get used to hearing the voice of God, but I don't want us to become callous to it. Because God's always speaking. God's always moving. And the challenge today, we have a challenge to go forward and declare the word unapologetically in love. We have been issued a a commission for the church. And it's to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's why we have life groups coming up. February 7th, make disciples and preach the gospel. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have seminary. You don't have to have any of that. Just share your story of what God's done in your life. And I guarantee you that's going to resonate with people. And it's going to change lives. But what we don't want to do is be disobedient. God is, uh, this is, I feel like God's going to pour out his spirit on people who want to see his kingdom come and his will be done, that aren't interested in growing their own kingdom, that aren't interested in growing their own agenda. And we're going to see people come into the kingdom that we wouldn't have called or we wouldn't expect. And it's going to happen when his church is obedient. And I, 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 Yesterday, as I was praying in this room, I felt like the Lord said, call us to repentance and unbelief. And I don't know what's going on. Maybe you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior or the Son of God. Maybe that's the unbelief in your heart, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your, in your life. If that's you, I would love to make the introduction. It's very simple. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of the sin of unbelief. That's what Jesus said. We've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he starts working on us and sanctifying us to make us more like Jesus. But I think the, the, the sin of unbelief that's been plaguing the church is we say it, but sometimes I don't think we believe it, that God can do impossible things. We, we resign We resign ourselves when we see things happen and say, that's just how it is. And God's saying, where's your faith? It's time to let your faith run wild. We are called not to walk by sight, but by faith. And I hope hope you guys have heard my heart this morning. I think every... Every move of God starts with the attitude of repentance because it says, get me out of the way, God. I want what you want. And forgive me. I'm believing for big things this year. I'm I'm still believing. We are going to put our feet where our faith is, and we're going to pay this building off. We are. I'm believing that. I'm, I'm letting my faith run wild. I'm believing that this church is going to be filled to capacity multiple, multiple times. I'm believing. I'm letting my faith run wild. I'm believing that miracles and people are going to walk out of here completely changed by the gospel who didn't know Jesus. Or they're going to they're walk out. They're going to get baptized. I'm, a, I'm believing for people to be healed physically, not just emotionally and, 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 and spiritually, but he, like holistic healing is going to take place. i got to let my faith run wild. And I'm asking you to join me. Let's not let the sin of unbelief that God, let's not ever be guilty of offering praise with our lips, letting our hearts be far from God. Let's not just be guilty of singing songs about how God can do things or or, or saying in conversation, but let's really let it resonate in our heart. And and maybe we just need to pray, God, I'm guilty of this. Please forgive me. 
Let my faith run wild in this season and the seasons to come. Let me get back to the wonder and awe of who you are and that you are a God that plays in the playground of impossibilities and that there's nothing that you can't do and nothing that you won't do through your church to reach this world. That's how I want to end. I'm going to ask you guys to pray. Find a place to pray. Come down to the altars and pray. Let's cry out. Let's lay hold of God. And let's see what happens as he lays hold of us. Let's pray. If you need salvation, I'm going to be here. Please come. Things are going to be interesting in the next several weeks. What's going to come out and the testimonies that are going to come out of this. I, uh, I know this. We have nothing to lose to bring impossible needs before God. I know that we have nothing to lose when we, when we say, God, only you can do this, and I believe in you. Father, I pray right now for your church. I pray for every need that was mentioned, and I pray for every need that I might have missed. Lord, I pray that you will show up in the mighty name of Jesus and that you will bring resolution that will bring your glory. And Father, I pray that in this season and the season to come, Lord, I pray that your church will let our faith in you run wild like it hasn't in years and start believing you for impossible things. Start believing that you're going to move in, in, in ways in your church to empower us to be the church of the living God, to reach a world that seems so lost and that seems like they don't want anything to do with you. But Lord, it doesn't matter what it seems like. God, you died for that world and that you want to reach them. And Lord, we are the avenue by which you do that. So empower us with your Holy Spirit's power to do exactly what you would have us to do. And I pray right now for every lost family member that, that um, is represented by a family member here. Lord, that you will grab their hearts, that you will move in their minds, that you will give words um, to say through every believer that, that they know, and that you might draw them in through your loving kindness in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that this year and the years to come, that C1 is going to be a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom of God. I thank you that you were raising up your church and pouring out your spirit on your church to be the church empowered by grace to preach the truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a very blessed week.